you know, these things are kind of unimpressive anymore. They're sort of ubiquitous now because everybody's got one. These devices, actually, I'm not even sure why they call them a smartphone anymore. I mean, do we really even need to have phone in the name of the device? Like, just go with me a second. When's the last time you were sitting there pondering life and important questions, and you were thinking, if I only had a little device that I could make a phone call on, I could just find a way to make... We don't even... The fact that it makes a phone call is like the least impressive thing about these, right? Right? Think about it. I mean, when you go to buy a smartphone now, it, it, it has very little to do with the phone part, but we still call it a smartphone. You think about these devices. I mean, you know, 10, 12 years ago, when we planted this church in 2007, the iPhone had just come out. Do you realize how much has changed in 12 years? Think about how much these little devices have changed our world. I mean, these things now, I mean... The other day I was, I was doing a FaceTime thing with someone in New Zealand. Just let that ring for a second. That, that sounds like science fiction. But again, none of us are impressed in this room, right? We're like, eh, eh, big deal. We can, we can talk to satellites in like 2.3 milliseconds. You know, no big deal. Like, like, right? They're no big deal anymore. And yet these devices can do so many things that we would never even dream of. I mean, some of the new devices they have out now, they got three cameras on them. You can do like 3D, and it's like, when will it stop? This just keeps moving forward. Technology has just, it blows us away. And then after a few years, none of us are impressed anymore. The other day, the other day, and I love modern technology. I think it's great. I, I, love, I love medicine, that we can do things in medicine that, that just seems like crazy to me. I was talking to someone, praying with them this past week, and they were talking about a procedure where the doctor, I mean, I can't even get my mind around this, but the doctor was going to go in the leg, 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 right, this thing, in a vein in the leg and fix something in the heart. Have you heard of this crazy thing that these doctors can do? And they have this little camera that can kind of see and then the other day I heard, like, I've a good friend, in fact, my, my son-in-law's a nurse, and he was talking about, you know, lamenting that he had to, like, stay on call for robo-doctors. I don't even know what that is. It scares me to death. That in the medical profession, this is just the normal thing. We have these procedures that can be done with robotics of some sort. I don't even know the science behind this. It just freaks me out. Now, I love, I, I love modern technology. The other day, I went to, uh, hi, Tony. I went to <laughs> purchase something, and all I had to do was tap the little black box, and I have made a purchase. Who has done this in, that room, in this room? Who's done the, okay, three of us? Probably the rest of us have the ability. We just don't know that we can do that. You know what makes me nervous? Like, how close to these things do I have to walk before it, like, charges my account? Now I'm nervous. Like, you know, if, I'm just, if I'm just like shopping, I'm not wanting to buy anything. If I walk too close to that thing, it might, it might trigger that I'm going to buy something like that. We, we, we love technology. It's, science has advanced 
so far. I mean, the fact that we have private contractors that are flying rockets to, to, the, to the space station for NASA. That is crazy to me. Because when I was a kid, NASA was like the only one that could go to space. You know, nobody else could do it. That's just NASA's thing. Nobody else could go to space. Now people are doing it. I mean, I saw something the other day in the Wall Street Journal that Boeing's got this new uh, space rocket. You know, this is, this is in a crazy time that we're living in. But I wonder, with all this modern technology, if sometimes maybe you feel like I do, a bit of discontent with the technology. Who's ever felt discontented with some of the technology? Maybe you felt uncomfortable with it. Anybody felt uncomfortable? Even for some, some of us, making a purchase online seems scary still. You know, this data is out there, right? And now we have almost everywhere we go, there's really no privacy anymore. So some of us sometimes might feel a little, I don't know, worried about it, maybe a low level of anxiety over technology. And, and let me just go another place. Who's felt distracted by technology? Yeah? Last time you were in the restaurant, you look around the restaurant, what's happening? Right? I mean, you go to the high school, and I've said this many times. I've said this for years. I feel like I could walk into Dallas High School with a running chainsaw, full bore, and I don't think anybody would look up. You know what I'm saying? Like, whoa, this is where we're at. And, and that's our culture. Whether you like it or not, we are in that mode. And sometimes that feels disconcerting because it feels like kind of what, where are we going as a society? What's going on? And the deeper question is, how do we continue to follow Jesus with integrity in this modern age that we're in? Well, as you know, we've been in this series, Exile, Exiles, for, well, this is week number four. So this is episode four. We're going to wrap up this series. I hope you found it, you know, fascinating, interesting, and something for you as you try to live out your faith really in exile. Because even today, we're going to be talking about how even now, we are a people of God awaiting home. And we pray, God, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But, but we're, we're, we're not there yet. And we long for that ultimate home. And that's where we're at today. So that's where we're hitting. Uh, all, all cylinders are going to hit today on, on this particular issue. If you missed any of them, in week one, we, we, Andrew kicked it off. He's our next-gen pastor. He talked about how we've been in exile since the, the beginning. I mean, sin, we've been on the run for, for, since Genesis chapter 3. We've been on the run. In exile, the people of God awaiting home. And then we talked in, in week two about how when you fast forward through the scriptures to the story of the nation of Israel, and they were supposed to be the people of God, and God was going to be their king, and, and we saw how quickly that unraveled. And eventually those people of God became a remnant that got taken away to the ancient city and empire of Babylon. And even there, the scriptures and the, and the prophets were telling the people, even while you're in exile, you can seek the good. You can serve the city. You can feed the poor. You can thrive in exile. Now, last week we hit, you know, round three, and we were talking about how the early church, too, was a scattered people across the world taking Jesus globally because of persecution. You see, that's been our story throughout all of Scripture. And today we're going to wrap it up talking about us right here right now. So let's pray together. Let's pause for a second. Ask God to speak to us about how we can faithfully follow Jesus even in our modern world. Let's uh, pause to pray 
and talk about that because we're Christ followers in digital Babylon today. Lord, we come before you and we recognize that you're in charge and we're not. And we're so thankful for that. Lord, would you speak to us in a powerful way? Would our hearts be softened, our minds be open to what you have to say for us? Father, challenge us, change us. Uh, may we not just leave this room uh, not, not been touched by your spirit. Father, may we hear from you today and uh, help us to understand what it is to live your, your way, your truth, your life here in our modern world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, if, if you've been kind of thinking through the, this whole idea of exile, I, I wanted to kind of do a, a highlight reel, if you will, of just a, a few of the examples of exile in Scripture. We started with Adam and Eve, and we had the exile because of sin. They were exiled from the Garden of Eden. They were pushed out of the Garden. Sin was the, the culprit there. Then we have some of their kids, Cain and Abel. And you had Cain that killed his brother. And then God banished him. He was in exile. Then you fast forward to the story of the Tower of Babel. And the ancient, you know, civilizations getting together, thinking we're going to build this tower. We're, gonna, we're kind of going to be on par with God. And where God confuses their languages and sends them all over the world. Then you get to Abraham. And Abraham was doing well. Then God said, hey, I want you to leave your home and go to a place that eventually I'm going to give to your kids. And so he is exiled in that way, away from his homeland to a foreign land. Down the road, we have Jacob, and he's banished on the run. Does anybody know why? Because he stole his brother's birthright, Esau. So he's got to run the run from his brother, and that happened for many, many years. Finally, they reconciled, but it was kind of an interesting thing. But he was on the run. Then you look at Joseph's family. Joseph's family, they had to, to leave their homeland to come into to, to the Egypt just to eat. And, and Joseph was in power at that time, second in command um, to, to the Pharaoh. And so the whole family had to come down. And then eventually they thrived in Egypt to the point where the Pharaoh started noticing, we need to, we need to do something about these Hebrew people. And then we have Moses come on the scene. And Moses takes the people out of Egypt. And where are they? They're sort of exiled out of Egypt now into this promised land, but it doesn't really feel like the promised land yet. And they're wandering. And, and if you know that sordid tale, the ups and downs of, of the nation trying to figure things out. But Moses and the Hebrew people in exile in the wilderness. And then we talked about Israel, the northern tribes and the southern tribes, where we had civil war and the northern tribes were taken away, never to be heard of again by the nation of Assyria. And then that just left Judah. And then finally they were taken away to Babylon. And like we found out last week in Acts chapter 8, this up-and-coming rabbi, very zealous for the faith, started persecuting Christians in and around Jerusalem and Judea. And that forced the early church to go on and scatter throughout the whole world and take Jesus globally, really. And we found out last week, right? The reason they could do that is because at the right time, Christ came. At the right time, Christ came into human history. The one time in human history where finally there was safe travel and one common language. And that took the early church all over the Roman Empire. But we've been, even since then, even today, we're here today because of those scattered folks. We're still a people of God awaiting home. And now we're in this fast-paced modern culture. How do we live out this ancient faith in this modern, fast-paced world? That's the question we're trying to answer 
today. We're living literally in digital Babylon. And I wonder, maybe, you know, we've talked about all this exile stuff from cover to cover in Scripture. Maybe exile, we're at our best. Maybe when we're kind of under pressure. Maybe that's when the church starts to really get traction. It starts to really matter. Now, when we're under the, under the you know, pressure, maybe that's when we really start to shine. When it gets hard. I think when it's easy, and, and, and you could argue that in our country, being a Christ follower has been a pretty easy run. For, for many, many years, right? It's been a, you know, for the longest time, the church was the home team. Everybody's going to go to church. Look, doors are open. We're going to go Wednesday night, Sunday night, Sunday morning, right? Everything's closed on Sunday, blue laws. This was the truth for our country for a long time. But now the church is not the home team anymore. We have a growing number of people that are walking away from religion and faith and certainly the church. And then it's not like they're walking away from spirituality, but they're just not sure they could find it in the church. And so this is the reality that we're in now. So maybe being in exile is actually going to help us really grow and mature. Finally, when it's going to cost us something, then the real disciples are going to say, yeah, I still want it. I still want the Jesus way. And I'm still going to show mercy. And I'm still going to help my neighbor. And, and we're still going to try to help and put others' needs above our own. We get to live differently. And I think this is a real opportunity for us even today. We are a people in digital Babylon. We are an exile awaiting home. One day Jesus is going to come back. We're going to have new heavens, new earth. It's going to be a beautiful thing. But until then, we're always going to have to live with this tension of how to follow Jesus in the midst of our culture. You see, we too, like Jeremiah 29 said, we get to work for the peace and prosperity of our country, but never forgetting who's real king. That's the tension that we live in, right? That's a hard tension. Right? If you think about work and you think about you know, your life and, 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 and commuting and, and your financial world and your family and all those things, trying to figure out how, does, how, does, how do I walk the Jesus way in all of those spheres, in your home, in your neighborhood? How do you thrive in exile? You know, how do you advance? You know, how do we advance as a church family in a majority culture around us that may not be so happy with us as we begin to live the Jesus way in front of them? So here's the only point I want to make today, and this is something that I hope can carry, carry us. We are people of God awaiting home. One day, Jesus will return. But until then, we're called to be a city on a hill. We're called to be light. We're called to be salt. You know, those things where we bring light to subjects. We bring salt, meaning we give spice to life. We try to, to be a, 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 that, that, that city that, that, that can love a, a community. A group of Christ followers trying to bless the people around us. And so here's my only point. We adopt the ways of Jesus in our culture. We adopt the ways of Jesus in our culture where God has called us to. We said this in the series that we did before on I Love My, My Town. That for, for whatever reason, God's called us, you and I, here for a season, for a reason. And he wants us to thrive even while we are awaiting home. One day, we'll get that home. I was reading an article, and I think this is kind of helpful. These are some ways to kind of live faithfully, even now, while we are in this, this exile, living in, in, in sort of digital Babylon, if you will. And the first one is this, living, by, living faithful by participating. Living faithfully by participating. 
What that means is we engage in culture. Doesn't mean we approve of culture all the time or the different things that, that, that people are consuming, but we're engaged enough to know what people are thinking, what they're reading, you know, what's going on. Uh, I think a, a, a big part of, of that is just being aware of, of, of the culture around us. Um, you know, and, and now we, we, could, we could choose to, to kind of try to shun ourselves away from that, but the problem is then we're disconnected from the people that God loves. So even when people disagree with us politically, even when people disagree with us on how money should be spent or on how, how we ought to operate in community, even when we disagree, we are going to participate by engaging, learning what's going on with people. I mean, let's think about this for a second. Do you know the people in your neighborhood, your next door neighbor, even the person that you work with, do you know what they think about faith? Do you know what they think about the church? Like if you ask them, what, what's your hope for your life? You know, we don't, we don't often go into these conversations, but we're called to engage people that God has put in our wheelhouse, around us. And so living faithfully by participating, engaging with culture, learning, being respectful, right? Building bridges, not withdrawing. This is part of who we are. And I realize that's hard because sometimes we're going to be, you know, trying to engage with people that maybe we don't agree with. But that's okay. Remember, if you chose to follow Jesus, you chose also to never be a bigot. Never be racist. You have chosen the Jesus way. And that means you've lost that privilege anymore. You're not like that. You're different. That means everyone's equal at the foot of the cross. If Jesus accepted you, <laughs> right? If he accepted you, you need to accept people. And so we engage with culture, even if we don't agree all the time. Like, for instance, uh, this is just my, do you know what the top 10 pop songs are right now? Do you know? Okay. What's the number one show on Netflix right now? Nobody knows. What's the top, give me two bestsellers on the New York Times bestseller list for reading, for books. Fiction, nonfiction, come on. Nonfiction, there's got to be a Malcolm Gladwell book out there or something. See, I'm putting this out there because this is what I mean. Like, understanding where people are at. Um, you know, and, and, and for me, just personally, I've done this in a number of different ways. I mean, um, okay, let me just tell you my morning routine. I spend a lot of time in prayer. I spend time with Jesus. Um, but I also, I have probably four web pages that I go to. This may be, <laughs> I may be making a mistake here. But I, I do go to the BBC, I go to Al Jazeera, I go to the Wall Street Journal, I do look at Fox News. I, I, but you see, that, those are radically different. I do check CNN every once in a while because I want to know what's going on. I want to know what the culture is. Now, again, it's not like I'm memorizing this stuff and adopting whatever I'm seeing. What I'm doing is I'm trying to understand what's happening in the world, what's going on. I actually have the Wall Street Journal delivered to my house. I am old school. Actual paper. Young people in the room, this is the, this newspaper stuff that uh, has words on it. <clears throat> you can hit people with, no. Uh, but I do that because I want to understand what's going on. Now I realize, okay, let's go back to music. For some of you, you're like, why would I need to know what the top ten songs are on Apple iTunes? It's what people are listening to. Do you know that the other day I was listening to whatever Apple said was the top 30 songs 
and I was some 20 songs in before I actually heard a guitar. Now, what does that mean? I mean, like, what, what does that mean? This is just what, this is where people are at. This is where music is at. You, you turn on the radio, a lot of kids aren't listening to the radio anymore. Now, I think radio is still a viable format, but a lot of people aren't consuming things like that anymore. They're on Spotify. They're on streaming media channels. Uh, do you know what the top podcast is right now? Do you know what a podcast is? <laughs> I think it's a new format for talk shows, really. I mean, we used to have talk shows on, you know. I used to listen to uh, several different uh, on-air people on my way into work. And uh, I won't say who they are because that would be, we don't need to get that detailed. It's not about me. But listening to what the top podcasts are. Why are people listening to those? Again, why is that important? Does anybody, why is that important? What are people thinking about? What are they doing? What is the current discussions going on, right? This is learning our culture. So we engage, we be respectful, we build bridges. We don't have to adopt all of those things that we're reading or seeing. doesn't mean you have to watch every Netflix thing. I mean, after a while, I'm just, people tell me about shows all the time, and I'm like, I don't know which streaming format I got to subscribe to now. I mean, how many have at least two or three subscriptions out there to streaming media? Who's got, who's got Netflix? Okay, Hulu. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Disney Plus, I guess that's the new one, right? Disney Plus. How many of these, you know, now it's becoming the, the way that we're, we're operating is subscribing to all these. So here's number two. So the first one is living faithfully by participating. Number two is keeping up with our pursuit of Jesus. You know, it's amazing to me. People will come and talk to me and they're having, you know, maybe trouble in, in their marriage or trouble with their kids or, you know, trouble with getting a career started. And if I ask what's your prayer life, that seems to stop the conversation. If you say you're going to follow Jesus, follow Jesus. That means you spend time with him. You know, I don't know other, any other way to say it. I mean, that's, not, no, that's nobody else's job but yours, spending time with Jesus. Now, I realize in my role, I feel like I have a responsibility to spend a, maybe more time, but that's okay. I try to tithe uh, at least a tenth or 15% of all my time I do in ministry to prayer and spending time with the Lord because I feel like that's part of my role. But you have a part to play in that. What is God speaking to you right now? Like, when's the last time you felt like God spoke to you something? The last time you woke up in the middle of the night and you said, Lord, are you, are you trying to tell me something? What is that expectation for you? Spending time pursuing Jesus. There's no magic pill or whatever that's going to do that. You and Jesus, spending time, you pursue him. Yes, you understand what's going on in culture. You can spout out the number one Netflix show. That's fine. Good on you. But you also need to spend time with Jesus because that's going to inform how do you engage that culture that you understand now. Does that make sense? They t t you've got to spend time pursuing Jesus. There's just there are no way around it. If you're going to call yourself a Christ follower, you are following literally Jesus. Spending time with him. Probably more than just that two-minute prayer right before you eat something. You and Jesus spending time together. Sometimes, for some of you, and this is where I'm at, a lot of times when I'm praying, my biggest job is to shut my brain off sometimes and to shut this thing going on all the time and just say, God, are you speaking to me right now? I'll read the scriptures, but I just got to shut up up here sometimes. Anybody struggle with that? I struggle with that. You know? Try this sometime, okay? 
This is not a prescription. This is not like some kind of legalist thing. Try to spend one hour this week in prayer. I mean, time it. Maybe some of you need to time it. One hour in prayer. See how far you get before your mind starts wandering. It's hard. But it's the work that we spend time with Jesus. So we, number two, we pursue Jesus. We keep up our pursuit of Jesus. Growing in Christ. Loving him. Obeying him. Praying maybe for an increased you know, faith. Pray for that. That's okay to pray. God, increase my faith. There's actually a prayer that somebody said to Jesus directly. Increase my faith. Help me with my unbelief. So you can pray about that. You can also pray for a larger heart. God, enlarge my heart. I'm not talking about a medical thing, because I think if you had a large heart, that's bad. <clears throat> but the idea is, you know, enlarge my heart. I mean, I don't know how you feel. I mean, do you have compassion on people around you? God, enlarge my heart. So we're pursuing, keeping up our pursuit of Jesus. Number three, we live submitted to the Father. There is only one King and Lord of our lives. If you're a follower of Jesus, you serve him as Lord and Master. Nobody else. No president, no dictator, no prime minister. Jesus is Lord. You know, in the New Testament era, that was fighting words. Because in the New Testament, there was only one who got Lord title in most public circles. You know who that was? Caesar. So when the early church says Jesus is Lord, they knew they might be legally in trouble. Jesus is Lord. Now, I realize we have freedom in our country, but I don't know that it's always going to last like that. I don't. I'm not confident it's going to stay like that. And that means for Christ followers, we may have to really do some soul searching. Are we going to say in a public square, Jesus is Lord? Someday we might have to. But right now, we practice it now. Jesus is Lord, not any president, not any political party. Jesus is Lord. We have to remember that. So we submit to our Father, humbly submitted to our loving Abba Father. While we're aliens and sojourners, he is our Father. The scriptures tell us we can call out to him as Abba Father. And he cares. The stuff that brings us anxiety, he actually cares for that. And so we submit to him as Father. And finally, here's number four. We live faithfully by, by responding to Christ, listening to him. When you're spending time and God's leading you there, he's speaking to your heart, listen to him. During difficulty, seek his heart. What is Jesus calling you to do? And if he's calling you to do something, then live faithfully by responding to what he's asking you to do. And that could be, like we've said before, when you pass by that need or you drive by that need and you start thinking somebody ought to do something about that, Maybe it's you, right? Maybe, maybe it's you. We had um, three nights this week where we had uh, a lot of folks staying in our building uh, overnight because it got super cold. And, uh, and that includes a couple families that were here. And uh, you know what? I'm so proud of this church family that we can do that. And I realize that there are a lot of churches that would struggle with that. And it's not been easy. You know, there's stuff le left out. There's things like that. It, uh, sometimes loving people inconveniences us a little bit. And I'm very honored to be part of a church family that's willing to do that. And so if you see things maybe out of, out of where it shouldn't be, and uh, maybe you see some, some folks this week, it's going to dip down below 30 again this week, and so we're probably going to be open three or four nights this week. If you want to come down and encourage some people, you can. I don't know their situation. We're not going to judge them. We're going to show them love. We respond to need. That's what we do. We still live in exile, folks. 
We're still in exile. I'm going to close this up, but we still are in exile. We're a people of God awaiting home. Someday we're going to see that bright morning star. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see that sweet by and by. And there are days that I just can't wait. You have days like that. You're like, Jesus, come. You know, it could be you just had a bad day at work. Things are going sideways in your home, and you're like, Jesus, just come back. In fact, the early church said this over and over again to each other. They said the word Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. There's ready. Some of us are ready, right? We can't wait for that moment. But while we're here, we're going to do everything we can to move Jesus' mission of love forward. We are still exiles, folks. And as exiles, we long for a better home. We long for Jesus to return. And our home is found only in Jesus. He's our only anchor for the soul until one day he comes back. And, and boy, I got lots of questions for him. I hope you got your questions queued up. I have so many questions. I'm going to be raising my hand the whole time. You know, we're on that train to, to new creation. And I'm the whole time, I get another question. I got one more question. He's going to get tired of me asking questions. I have so many. Maybe you have some questions too. And the older we get, we have more, right? One day, we're going to have new heavens and new earth, and we finally get to celebrate in that eternal city, the kingdom of God come, brought to completion. But until then, we're exiles awaiting home. Let me, let me read to you what one scholar wrote. I love this. Uh, one of the most difficult issues facing Christians of any culture or time is how to support, resist, or participate in the governing power structures of their day. Should followers of Jesus endorse any political movement that is or isn't religious? What are the dangers of joining our allegiance to Jesus with loyalty to any nation or government? Religion and politics are highly charged topics in most cultures. And many of us wonder if the Bible has any wisdom to offer as we navigate this tension. We turn to the New Testament. We find Jesus adopting the same posture and mindset toward the power structures of Rome and Israel in his own day. And he taught his disciples to do the same. This is why Peter, in his first letter, calls followers of Jesus foreigners and exiles and says that the church is in Babylon. Followers of Jesus offer their ultimate allegiance to the risen king and they are to critique any kingdom that exalts its own values and power to the place of God. But at the same time, they are to seek peace and offer their best efforts to the communities in which they live. This is loyalty and subversion, energized by the hope that one day King Jesus will return and replace our Babylons with his eternal kingdom. While the Bible doesn't give us a simple answer to this complex set of issues, it does give us a story to live by as we seek to be loyal to Jesus and his kingdom. I mean, just imagine us living more and more like this community of Christ followers, even in digital Babylon, in the public square, showing good, showing mercy, loving people who may feel unlovable and maybe society has marginalized. Imagine a community of people committed to showing Jesus through words and actions. And, and a group of people that are committed to the fact that Jesus Christ saves, not moralism. Jesus Christ saves, not moralism. Another scholar wrote, the state of exile is the inevitable position for Christ followers. Jesus himself is the epitome of exile, a person who had nowhere to lay his head and who in his death suffered outside the gate 
in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. We live as wisdom warriors, folks. We learned that last week. We live as wisdom warriors in exile. We choose our battles carefully, being loyal yet subversive, not withdrawing, but engaging culture, right? Serving to, uh, choosing to do good, serve other people, but only honoring the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus. That means we pray and submit to authority. That means we live as proper citizens. We pay taxes. We're engaged in community service. We put others' needs above our own, and we vote. However, we are not silent when we see injustice. You see the tension there? We're living as good citizens, but we're not silent when there's injustice. That's where we say we've drawn the line. And when any empire or country or political system starts to mess with or reimagine or redefine what, good, what is good and what is evil, we say something. And any time anyone purports themselves in the place of God, we speak up. But that's not okay. We serve only God as our king. Jesus himself said, and I'm closing this now, I promise. Jesus himself said, hey, we're in this world, but we are not of this world. Listen to what he said as he prayed in John 17. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. Folks, we're in the world, but not of the world. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and you're so powerful and mighty. We submit ourselves to you. We put ourselves at your feet. Father, help us, those who are Christ followers in this room, we want to serve you even in the country and the place you've called us. Father, help us to be wisdom warriors, uh, to be both loyal and subversive. Father, to follow the example of Jesus, living in exile, awaiting home. Father, we pray for that one day that you come back. We're excited about that, but while we're here now, help us to live as healthy Christ followers in a very digital Babylon. And Father, may you still do great work through our church family, in our, our community. And, and Father, help us to be part of your rescue mission to the world day in and day out. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.